five, four, three, two, one. Well, welcome back to another podcast of Integrated Interventions. Um, if you are just joining, this is a continuation of sorts. So we had a really great conversation um, previously with Holly and Chris Garrett, our executive director, uh, but he has moved on to other tasks throughout the day. So it opens up the opportunity for us to speak to each other. Um, and so I'm excited to kind of continue on with this because I feel like we can, we cover a lot of important points, but there's always something that gets left out just by the nature of it. Cause otherwise we'd be talking for 10 hours. Oh, I was born with the gift of gab and I can do it. I could do it. <laughs> it would be easy to, I, I know cause you're very well versed in a lot of, in a lot of areas, especially with your podcast that you have, um, you touch on a lot of areas, um, that are important to just a wide variety of audience. So could you just talk a little bit about your podcast? Um, and I'd like to learn more about that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give you the reason why we started the podcast. And actually I have to give you guys a lot of props because it was me picking your guys' brains initially when we decided to do the podcast. But the biggest challenge that we had is that I would have just the, I called it the top 10 list of things that on a weekly or biweekly basis, I would get these questions repeatedly. And so then it became this, you invited me on a podcast a while back and I thought to myself, wow, this is a really good platform to be able to put information out there. And the biggest challenge when you have a loved one with autism or another disability is that time. It's always difficult. You There's other factors too. You may not have childcare to be able to go and access like a parent's night or a coffee chat. And so then there was limitations about, you know, how do you create uh, that connection and that feeling that you're not alone and normalizing some of these experiences that we have as parents or caregivers when you're raising a child with autism. So it was being on your podcast that I got to thinking, you know, maybe we should think, are, are we a, capable to be able to do a podcast? And the whole premise behind it is we pick a topic and I invite a panel of parents to join me. And then we just talk about it and normalize some of the situations that we have experienced or struggles that we have. And in some topics, there's very polarizing uh, strategies or philosophies. And that is okay because there are, I mean, I have the benefit of knowing thousands of people who have kiddos on the spectrum and I know a lot of families and how they've done things. And I've, there are elements of that that work and there's elements that in hindsight, they would have done something different, but oh man, when you can talk about the hindsight and what you learned, and if you could go back, what you would do differently, there's a lot of power in that. And so having a context that you can share those experiences and what did you learn from it. So then when you have new parents that are listening, they have the benefit of that. And I also think that one of the things that I always, I'm a type A personality. I don't know if you figured that out in this podcast, or just if you know me personally, you're like, yep, Holly's totally type A. But one of the things that is always really a struggle for me is that I can't see the future. So I don't know what I'm planning for when I have, when I'm talking about my boys, my stepson and my son, and even when Isaac was alive, the hardest thing for me was I couldn't predict the future to know what am I teaching to, what am I preparing for? And the nice thing, and I, and I'm, I'm still in that header. I don't know what the future is going to hold. But what I do have access to and what I can provide families is a podcast that's talking about things that maybe you're not there yet, but you're going to be. So you can see kind of what to expect, how to expect it, what the different experiences that parent had, parents had doing it differently, or something you have never, ever thought of, but it makes sense and it feels like it might be a good strategy for your family to consider. So that's really what our podcast is all about. So I interview 
providers I interview, special ed teachers, and we get kind of behind the scenes of what it really looks like and things your school district really doesn't want us to be telling you, but we're going to tell you anyway, because uh, I can get away with it because it's my podcast and I don't work for some of those agencies, so I don't have to sugarcoat it. I mean, we've even done a podcast where I've interviewed CPS uh, case managers, because the reality of it is, is that we get turned into CPS a lot because people don't know what they're looking at. And they see locks on doors is that we're keeping them hostage in their bedroom, or they'll come into the bedroom and see just a mattress on the floor and minimal furniture. And that is, you know, somehow abusive and, you know, not a good quality of life as opposed to safety. This is how we have to keep them safe at night. So I brought in a CPS worker that I happen to know. We didn't give their full name and where they worked um, because they didn't work in Spokane. And we talked about that and just kind of what training they had, you know, the realities of it. Some are, some case managers are just better than others. Some of them have just been tainted to life experiences that make them a little bit more rigid. And so I'm telling you, I've podcasted about a lot of different things. Some are not sexy topics to talk about, but someone has to talk about it. So I figure why not? Well, being able to break the ice for for parents that don't know how to navigate that, but to have an archive of information. And that's a lot of what we do. Yeah. When you have then the phone calls of this is the fifth time this month, I've had the same question. And you know what? That is podcast 115. It's a great podcast. You can listen to it. You know, when you have the free time, because that's the other nice thing about podcasts. One of the reasons why they're so awesome is that you can access them whenever you have the time to do it. And yeah, there's so many, there's some that we read for probably three times a week because it just has important information. And yeah, it's been awesome. I don't shy away from talking about hard topics, even when I know I'm probably going to get a lot of controversial messages and emails. And particularly, I do talk a fair amount on it's the lighted up blue versus the red instead. And I like to call it, we need to move to a community of purple. Because if you're not familiar with the the two camps within our autism community. Is that related to the Autism Speaks? Yes. Okay. So the the blue the lighted up blue really was launched and kicked off by Autism Speaks because they are the largest autism national autism organization in the United States. And so that was really the their puzzle piece was blue. They would do the campaign to light it up blue for autism awareness. And there is a a large population of people who, and I would say if I was to dial in the age range, we're talking about late teens to 30s, 40s, um, that age group of individuals that are self-advocates, meaning that they themselves identify as a person with autism, that have a lot of animosity towards Autism Speaks. And some of this comes from their early marketing campaign was Cure Autism Now. And you have to understand that in that space, which was 20 years ago, there was a big push and movement to cure autism. And hindsight's always 2020. We can always go back and say, wow. And I will be the first one to tell you that early on with Isaac, I was wanting to cure autism. When you see your child that significantly impacted and not be able to live an independent life, you would move heaven and hell to try and give your child the best chance at living an independent life as possible, because that's what we consider to be a fulfilling life, right? So now as the mom of Caleb, 
he has really challenged me to really have to see it from the space that Caleb saw some of that marketing at some point because he has an iPad and he has a habit of trying to go on, you know, like news apps to get news. And he saw a reference to curing autism and it devastated him because from his perspective, because as parents, we've done a really good job that we embrace our individual differences and we can celebrate our differences, but we recognize there are still hard things and we need to practice those things so that we can master them. And maybe we never master it in the same way as our friend, but we do it in a different way and it's fine. Maybe it takes longer, but there are things that Caleb do that are he'll always do faster than myself or the neurotypical siblings that he has. So we just have to acknowledge individual differences and celebrate them. They're not wrong. They're not broken. It's like my Xbox and PS4 analogy, which I shared in our previous podcast together. Um, you know, there's an Xbox isn't any better than a PlayStation. And so that's really that premise of the individual differences. And so of the peers, of the self-advocates in that older age range, they're very angry at some of that early marketing, some of the research that was done to try and change and modify. There's also the feeling that a lot of therapy interventions is conversion therapy, meaning that you're trying to change the individual differences for that person, which means that you're implying they're wrong or broken. And so that's where the red instead uh, community came from. So they believe, you know, instead of red, light it up blue, red instead. Um, also you might see the infinity loop or the gold loop or a spectrum loop, um, as symbols, because the other thing that has now come about is that the puzzle piece is for some very triggering because it was then it's connected to autism speaks. So Isaac foundation's logo is, has a puzzle piece and, um, I've never once thought of it in terms of the context of it's the missing piece or there's something missing or that it's a puzzle and we don't understand it. You know, I, my puzzle piece is specific because, you know, there's, you know, four sides of the puzzle piece for Isaac Foundation. One of them is inverted and then three of them are outward attaching. And those are my, represent my children to me. So my three surviving children are extending out for those connections. And then the piece that is inverted is where Isaac is, is not there and connected to us, but he's still there. And the color blue is because Isaac had the most amazingly blue eyes. So the color specifically is pertaining to his eye color, but I get a lot of hate mail uh, about the puzzle piece and the color blue and then the red instead. And it's very difficult and because I understand, because I can now say that I was part of the light up blue, like your autism now early on because of of how autism was impacting my child and that quality of life. I mean, he was just so uncomfortable. But now seeing Caleb, I see that that's not necessarily the answer. But with that being said, and here's where we have a disconnect between the two communities, is that we can't see it from the other person's perspective. So the red instead community feel like, again, we're all perfect. Let Live and let live. We're perfect the way that we are. We need to let it be. But if you were to come into our home and live with Cooper and see that he is at war in his body, that's our oldest son who's 19, um, my husband's son from his first marriage, he is beating himself up with self-interest behavior. We cannot take him in to access community engagement, community access because of the meltdowns and the danger that he can pose. And I would say, is that the live and let live that, I mean, he's entitled to interventions and support so that he can become comfortable in his body and not be hurting himself every single day. And so that's where I really want to move to a, a community of purple. We have to start being able to see things from the other person's perspective. And it's hard in autism world. 
it's hard. And that's, you know, one of the challenges is that not being able to have empathy for the other people. And so it's very, very controversial. And parents are actually being attacked and saying that we're abusing our children by doing therapy interventions. We're called martyr moms. Um, and so that's what we're working on is trying to create a community of purple. Uh, Autism Awareness Month is the month of April. And that's usually my worst. I used to love April and I still do love April. Don't get me wrong, but April is also the month where I get the most, um, public attacks because of, you know, our philosophy, you know, again, I've stuck to my guns and I am not going to be bullied into changing my, my logo until it makes sense to do something different. Um, I'm not going to just change my logo because people feel like, you know, it's triggering to, you know, a handful of people or a group of people. Um, but you know, there might be a day that we change it because it just makes sense in terms of what we're doing and how we're doing it. But in the month of April, you're going to hear and probably be made more aware of, because again, we're trying to raise awareness and acceptance. Even those terms are now very touchy. We have to be careful about how we, the context of how we use those things. Um, it's, it's a challenge. We're navigating those waters every day. You've been listening to the Integrated Interventions podcast. You can find us out on the web at www.integratedinterventionsllc.com. There are also a lot of different ways that you can get a hold of us. The website is one, but you can also go through the social media route, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can also email us at info at integratedinterventionsllc.com. Well, it sounds like there's a line in the sand for some people that they're just, they draw it and they're like, this is where I'm at and I'm never going to even entertain joining where purple emerges. Yes. And the thing that is really hard, sad that I see too is therapy providers are being attacked because they essentially are a representation of the modification that they're saying we don't support. You're converting, you're trying to convert us to something that we're not. And so that's where, again, I feel really sad for parents. You know, I have a pretty uh, thick skin and I don't mind, you know, like standing up for myself and my, and I think I'm very open-minded and I can see it from both perspectives, but we have to move to a community of purple where we have a place to understand it. But therapy providers are being, you know, viciously attacked with negative reviews and it's just very sad. Does that even apply to early interventions as well? Yeah, yeah. That there are individual differences and that, you know, what makes us all unique and different is these little idiosyncrasies that, you know, can be endearing and many of them are. Like I said, my son Caleb, he loves his autism, but I also think the reason why he's comfortable with the, his, his, that terminology, autism, is because we've normalized it and we have said from the get-go, you know, there are going to be struggles. We're not going to lie about that, that, you know, some of these things are going to be hard and we're going to work through and figure out accommodations. We're going to work towards mastery and some of these things so that you can do it with confidence and competency. Uh, and he appreciates that. Like he's 14 years old and we're still doing therapy interventions. He leaves school half day, Tuesday, Thursday to still do therapy interventions. And the most progress that he has had is in the last 18 months and he sees his progress and he's feeling really validated because some things that have been really hard that I don't think he thought he would ever be able to do. He's 
actually doing. So now he's more invested more than ever to really learn these things in a way. And again, it's really just finding the right way to explain and so that he has that understanding, you know, it's again, an Xbox, it's recoding it. It's the same lesson. Everybody does it. It's just, it, we coded it in a different way that his brain's getting it. And so now he's really invested in it. But, you know, he, it's funny because when I say, you remember when you saw that article and it was talking about curing autism and you were so offended by that. And he's like, yeah, I just don't think it's wrong. Autism is what is part of what makes me awesome. Yes. I said, but now I want you to look at your stepbrother, Cooper. Do you think he feels awesome? Like his autism makes him feel awesome when we're watching, when he's punched himself in the nose and there's blood everywhere and he's been up all night, Hulk screaming because he's just upset. He can't tell us why he's upset. And he says, oh no. I said, so would you want to say, have that same philosophy that autism makes Cooper awesome and that he, we shouldn't even try. We should just live and let live and just let him be his natural organic self. And he's like, oh, I didn't really think about it like that. And so it's that provoking, you know, but I think when you have someone that it, it's like with politics, there's no amount of calling me stupid that's going to make me vote for your candidate. Now, if you bring me an explanation and a premise so that I can understand it from a different perspective, that might make me um, change my mind. But again, when we have people that are calling people names and, you know, martyr moms and it's that's never going to we're never going to move to the community of purple. Well, with keyboard warriors. Yes, keyboard warriors. That's a, you know, where people can talk really tough behind a computer screen or um, if they're, you know, have a phone in their hand. But then when you try to break down that wall and have those conversations, there is an element of fear that exists with that person. They're not sure how to engage. And I think that's another reason, many of the reasons of the importance of the work that you're doing is to break down those barriers so we can have those conversations and be able to have an understanding where someone's coming from. And it's okay to have different point of views, but yeah, marrying that world together where the purple where that you talk about, I think this is a really important discussion to have. Well, and what's interesting is I have had my marketing people don't engage people on social media when they're attacking you and they're attacking all the things don't engage in that. And I still do because I'm not doing it in a, in a um, defensive way. And what's interesting is some of my, I never convinced any of my run instead uh, self-advocates to jump over to the the lighted up blue side. But I think there might be a streak of purple in their red because, and what was interesting is we were just talking about why the puzzle piece was important to me. Like I don't, I, you know, I can see maybe where some people may think that that's why people are using the puzzle piece, but that's not. So I explain, you know, it's some symbolism, my son's blue eyes and some of the, you know, I have a son with that's, you know, a very high level autism. And what was interesting about it is people were piping in and interjecting in our you know, online, um, social media discussion back and forth. You're so disrespectful. You don't realize that Holly does so much for your community and you're just treating her like garbage. And then the person kept saying, you know, like, stop talking. I'm talking to Holly now. And I thought that is actually a place where they were only one to engage in me. And we were having, it was respectful. And I was just using different analogies and different places to just say, well, this is, this is how I view it. And this is, you know, the way that, you know, I approach these things. And we agreed to disagree. But at the end, it says, well, you know, I, well, I, I don't like your puzzle piece and I never will. Like, I do have respect for you. 
And to me, that was a win. It's a step and in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction. Again, I didn't convince them to come over to the blue, but I think that there's a streak of purple in their red now because there was a place where there was, I built, was able to build respect from just being respectful. And here's, I can't speak for other people, but this is where I'm at. And, you know, like for in this context and different examples. And again, other people started piping in and started, you know, trying to get in the fray. And then it was like, nope, hey, we're having a conversation here and it's going great. We don't need other people jumping in here. And so again, it was, I do respect you. I don't like your, your logo or I don't like this, but um, we left and there was an element of respect and I'll take it. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. Finding a way to increase that common ground. Um, how has your work been impacted by the pandemic? Because you've had to, I'm sure, find different creative ways in order to engage, especially when you look at your um, gather has always been so gathering oriented, you know, bringing people together in person and then pandemic hits and like, now what are we going to do? I mean, Zoom has really helped with that and teleconferencing, but we've really had to reconstruct what we previously thought was our normal ways of communication. Yeah. Well, understand that in the autism world, structure and routine is our friend. And when COVID happened, we lost all of that. Excuse me. So we weren't going to school. We weren't doing those therapy. All of our structure, our routine, all of the things that we could expect was taken away. So then we had to move to the Zoom platform, which was great for some, but not going to work for others. So we really stepped it up and we started doing a lot of Zoom connections, Zoom, you know, we did weekly um, like Zoom parent nights, we, you know, played games, trivia, we were getting the kids online playing Among Us. That's how I learned how to play Among Us uh, was because that was an, a way that parents could also connect with the kids. The problem was, is that then virtual fatigue set in. And parents, because they weren't getting therapy interventions in their home because they couldn't come to the home, everything was done via Zoom. Our kids didn't go back to school. Uh, it was, we started seeing just everything start to disintegrate really rapidly. And we couldn't get families to even get onto Zoom with us because they were just so maxed out. So we did a variety of different things. We also lost all of our funding mechanisms so that we did get a, you know, we did get a, some support from the federal government that did, you know, help us get limp through that. But really, we just had to get really creative. And we, especially with our siblings, you know, we didn't realize the impact. It was having a negative impact on our kids on the spectrum, but tr even more so on the siblings, because we realized at that point that our siblings were going to school in part to escape. And that was that escape from the day to day and to be able to be normal. Like some of those kids' friends never even knew they had a brother or sister with autism because that was their place to be just the normal kid that they dream about living this normal life. So we started seeing a real down shift in just the impact it had on the siblings. So we just decided, you know what, we're probably going to get find and all the things, but we started having our siblings meet in person, a hundred percent outdoors, um, with, I mean, we limited our numbers to 15. And so even in the winter months and rain, snow, uh, just low temperatures, those siblings were bundling up and parents were bringing them. And we just did a sibling spotlight in Riverfront Park and they, not one of them ever complained about being uncomfortable. We normally also only run those during the summer or the, the school year, but we continued it through the summer. So then when it was a hundred degrees, they were still meeting outdoors. And again, not one single complaint because it was that connection and that support to an adult that has a lot of training in 
you know, trauma and adverse childhood experiences that was their lifeline. And so we, we didn't ever got fined. So woohoo, we never got fined. Uh, and we, you know, used a lot of hand sanitizer. Everybody wore a mask, all the things. Cause again, we're over in Washington. So you guys had, were a lot more relaxed over here than unfortunately we were in Washington. But, um, so we did that. We also, decided that we needed to show our families that we see them and we know that they were struggling. And so we got a grant from one of the Rotary Clubs in Spokane and we did care packages for parents and we delivered them. And just because we wanted them to know that we see you, we know you're struggling and we're here for you. And that probably was the biggest, just that so many crying parents because it's like, you know what, I didn't realize how much I thought that I was invisible or I was forgotten until that arrived at the door. And so, um, you know, we still haven't been able to do a productive fundraiser since um, I think 2019 was our last big one. We lost our concert indefinitely because we would have that at the Knitting Factory and the general manager that was our biggest supporter uh, left to take another job in another state because, you know, he could work in another state. So we will never get that one back, but we will be having our first big fundraiser in June. That's exciting. So we're seeing a, a, a return to normalcy and somewhat, I mean, that's another one. You know, we asked, I used to ask myself, what is normal? But even more so, the pandemic has kind of even shattered what societal normality is. Yeah. Well, you know, that's funny that you say normal, you know, and I tease that the only thing normal I've ever found in my house was the setting on my dryer. Okay. And I joke about that because it really is a normal setting on the dryer. And I had one of my kids come to me the other day and it says, says, mom, there's, there's a, a setting on the dryer that says normal. Like, what does that mean? And I just started laughing because even what is normal anymore? I don't even know what normal is, but I thought the fact that one of my teenagers caught on to the fact that there's a normal setting and he was like, I'm confused by this. I think that was pretty astute, though, and it, it would open the door for some interesting conversations. Yeah, like I said, I got the giggle so hard I couldn't even answer because it just struck me so funny. I uh, also want to talk about um, neurodivergent families, and and we've we haven't really used neurodivergent. We haven't talked about the word, but it's all been touched upon in this one part one and two of this podcast. Uh, so you can can you talk about um, the concept of a neurodiver- neurodivergent family and and what that means. Well, the neurodivergent, when we were talking about the red instead and the lighted up blue, so a lot of my self-advocates that are in that, you know, red instead, those are kind of the extremists. But the neurodivergent is that, you know, you're neurodiverse, like what makes us unique and different. Like, for instance, I have dyslexia, and it turns out that's a neurodivergent um brain space. Because again, it's not that I can't do certain things. I have to do things differently. That doesn't make me wrong or broken. It's just, you know, some of those uh, differences that make us unique. And so we also work with a lot of families that don't love labels. But so neurodivergent is a really good way to describe that community, you know, that space. So it's not label specific. Um, you know, there's autism, dyslexia. I mean, there's so ADHD. Uh, so ADHD would be neurodivergent and that would be how many identify because again, it's the, we're, we're not wrong or broken. It's, you know, individual differences. Well, I know so many people too, that, that view, um, we're falling in with that category. They view it as more of a superpower than having something as a setback or, you know, they learn how to operate within that and it's brought them a lot of success. And absolutely. Like, again, I wasn't aware, you know, dyslexia wasn't something that they talked about. I was in special ed. 
um, because I had dyslexia. And there was a lot of shame and just inadequacies that I went through life with because I thought I was broken. And so I love the neurodivergent, you know, terminology because again, I am a very, I went to college, I have a degree, although I think if you would have asked some of my high school teachers, even if they felt that I was college track, they would have told you no, based off of, you know, they got me a job at 16. I was a junior in high school. So they got me a job going after school to a law office to run errands because they were teaching me a vocational skill because they didn't see my abilities to be able to open normal trajectory doors for me. And so I think that's where I love that we're in this, you know, neurodivergent means that their doors are still open. And there's a lot of even advantages to, you know, putting people in positions that are neurodivergent because they're bringing a different, you know, view. I talked to someone yesterday in a training and he's actually a firefighter. He's in paramedic school. And he was talking about being neurodivergent. He had a brain injury. So that's how like his journey started. But he says, I see everything in colors. When I see music, I'm seeing different colors. When I'm seeing words on, you know, the screen. And if you look at his notebook, he uses a whole set of different spectrum of colors and what he makes his notes in, in different colors, because that's the way that his brain processes it. And he is a very successful firefighter firefighter going to be a paramedic and again neurodivergent and it's so beautiful as he describes it and how instead of feeling shame and that you're not enough it's the this is me and this is and when you explain it it's again that it's just understanding it from a different perspective that's really cool well and it opens up a lot of conversations for someone that maybe thought they were alone and didn't understand, you know, these are the things I'm going through. But to be able to talk with someone who is going through something similar, maybe they have strategies that have helped them become more effective in their dealings in life, to be able to impart that information is super powerful. Which is why one of the reasons why I love podcasting is that it really gets people access to, you know, not just your podcast or my podcast. There's so many great podcasts out there. There's one that's on executive function, and it's an executive function coach. His name is uh, Seth Perler and he's got a podcast and you listen to his podcast and it starts talking about some of these neurodiversities. Uh, you have a lot of people that are twice exceptional and I love that terminology, meaning that they have a very high IQ, but they still need supports. They have some exceptional, you know, a, you know, maybe out of the norm, traditional um, supports that they need in order to be successful. But you want to talk about a beautiful brain. But I love Seth Perler because, again, his podcast is so rich with, again, you're really dialing in very heavily on the different ranges and different, you know, aspects of individuals with neurodiversity. And it's like incredible. And that's, again, another advantage of a podcast. Well, and your audience uh, is more vast than you realize sometimes, which is one of the cool parts about it of the social engagement and being able to people talk about things and word of mouth goes a long ways for podcasting. Yeah. You know, in our world, we have a lot of parents that will say, oh my gosh, I was driving down the street and there was a podcast about this out of the other. And this parent said this. And I was like, yes, yes. You know, like you don't realize you're shouting in your car. Yes. Because you're like, this is me. This is my life. What's funny then is that those families will then say. And so then I sent the podcast to my parents to listen to because they are struggling with it, but they're not feeling like their extended family understands or that they think that this is abnormal. And it's like, it just validates that see mom and dad, like there are other people are experiencing this too. And this is strategies that have been helpful. And so again, it, it 
builds better awareness. You can then refer other people so that they get that same level of learning. Well, I appreciate the opportunity I, uh, for you to come in and to talk. I, I know there's probably there's still more things that we could talk about, which maybe this lends to a uh, a part three A B C D down the line, perhaps. Because I, I know yeah. you have so many things that you and with your podcast and the topics, it's ever evolving. It is, yeah. That's the thing. I walk down the street and the idea will pop in my head, or I'll have a conversation. Even today, that would be a great topic to podcast on. I mean, there's just all sorts of great things to be talking about. For sure. And figuring out, will I have the time to do it? Which there will be. So as many as that you guys have produced so far. But I appreciate the time and thank you again. And and for those who maybe just joined in on this one, at the end of the first podcast, we talked about how they can get a hold of you. Um, can you talk about your website and ways that... Um, uh, parents and people who are listening to this podcast can reach out to you. Yeah. So best place is we have so much information on our website and that's the Isaac foundation.org T H E. The trick is to spell Isaac correctly. I S A A C foundation.org. And then because we live in a world of social media, we are very prolific on Facebook. So if we have something coming up, I guarantee you will find it a link to it on Facebook. Awesome. Well, Holly, thanks again for your time. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to the next time. 